0: Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs, and I'm Shane Mason, and we're the hosts of Nurse Talk Radio. Please join us for this special edition podcast. Our guest today is the founder of the Global Healthy Living Foundation, Seth D. Ginsburg. With healthcare being at the center of all things political and personal, Mister Ginsburg recently wrote an article that appeared in the U.S. News and World Report called Five Ways Insurance Companies Meddle in Your Healthcare." So often the healthcare debate sheds very little light on the role insurance companies play both in skyrocketing premiums and the interference in patient care. With us on the phone is Seth Ginsburg. Seth, welcome to Nurse Talk. Thank you so much for being with us. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for being on today. So first off, tell us a little bit about the how, when, and why of you becoming a health advocate.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, like all good stories, it started way back when. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me at age 13, I was diagnosed with fondle arthropathy, which is a form of arthritis. And by the time I reached 18, I thought, where is everyone else going through something like this? And so literally from a dorm room bunk bed, first year of school, third week of college, literally in the middle of the night, uh, I co-founded Creaky Joints with my former internship boss from high school, which is Creaky Joints now part of the nonprofit Global Healthy Living Foundation. And today, more than 100,000 people with all different forms of arthritis, as well as their families, are involved in creaky joints or members of the community and are able to share strength and experience with each other.
0: That's amazing. So this is part of your larger mission of the Global Healthy Living Foundation, I believe. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Definitely. We realized pretty early that uh, we wouldn't be able to contain ourselves to just arthritis, and and so we co-founded the Global Healthy Living Foundation as the umbrella nonprofit organization, which the mission to improve the quality of life for people with chronic illnesses. And GHLF accomplishes this mission by advocating for improved access to care and by educating the community about the importance of diagnosis, early and innovative medical intervention, long-term lifestyle improvement, and of course, therapeutic compliance and adherence.
0: And you say something in your recent US news article, Five Ways Insurance Companies Meddle in Your Healthcare, that a lot of Americans don't know, which is that even if you can afford insurance, your access to quality care can be restricted by your insurer. So can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Well sure. I mean insurance companies increasingly use a number of tactics that limit or deny coverage for certain prescription procedures. And despite what insurers may claim, these tactics are intended to maximize their own profits. And often, unfortunately, it's at the expense of patients' health and well-being. Consider that every dollar they don't spend on your health care or your uh, prescription that your doctor writes or a a test or diagnostic that your doctor needs is a dollar that goes right to their bottom line or right to their executive compensation and right to their quarterly earnings report.
0: Absolutely. And there's a number of different ways that insurance companies do this. One of these you mentioned is called prior authorization, which I think a lot of people I'm very familiar with and have to deal with prior us all the time. But but tell our listeners a little bit about what that is.
1: Yeah, sure. Prior authorization, which uh, unfortunately um, many times falls to the shoulders of the nurse or the medical assistant um, or others in the office, is basically uh, the onerous forms and the Uh, requirements that insurers now put to the provider, to the healthcare provider, to double, triple, sometimes quadruple check that that medicine is um, you know, what the patient indeed needs. Obviously, it's a cost containment method, prior authorization, sometimes referred to as a utilization management technique. Right. And ultimately, in the view of uh, our, our community, of course, our patients and, and, and our doctors and nurses and others, we think this is a, you know, a form of cost containment that, that hurts us and that prevents us from getting the care that we need.
0: Yeah, when I, I work as a psychiatric nurse practitioner and I often have to explain why I wanna prescribe certain meds. Um, and actually a couple of weeks ago, I'm sure you're aware of this, Uh, I had a company reach out to me to ask me if they wanted me to hire them to handle the prior authorization. So now you're even inserting another person (laughs) in between this whole process. It's ridiculous. And it's all just money that doesn't go to the patient and treatment that doesn't go to the patient. And one thing you say too, is that all of this works towards delaying effective treatment.
1: Sure. And, and, you know, and look, we, I think there's no denying cost of care continues to escalate, right? Um, Prices of, virtually every part of the healthcare system continues to go up. So when you're the insurer and it's your job to pay those costs, even delaying by 30, 60, 90 days moves that cost into your next quarter, takes it off your books for this quarter, and a delay tactic that is literally just uh, miring a patient and their doctor and nurse in uh, paperwork um, could effectively delay game, so to speak, for at least a month, if not two, and, and that results in a better quarterly profit earning statement, for example, by the insurers.
0: And sometimes they even exclude medications where they say that there's certain medications that they're not going to cover. um, So you're unable to even ask those at all.
1: And sometimes they do all this by quote unquote accident. And um, it takes, you know, several rounds of back and forth with what they call peer to peer counseling, where a medical professional at the insurer, insurance company will get on the phone with a healthcare professional representing the patient from the doctor's uh, office. And even then, there might be just this morning, actually, I I saw an example of an insurance company basically admitting to an error in the paperwork that resulted in what amounted to a two-month delay for treatment that this patient badly needed. And, you know, there's really no making that time up, and there's really no way to, to regain that time lost. And so it's truly insidious.
0: And if any of you out there have ever tried to get reimbursed by your insurer because you went out of network, another way that they do that is just by making it so difficult that eventually, you know, you give up. They're supposed to give you $100. You spend two months working on their paperwork. Eventually, you're just like, this isn't worth it. You also mentioned that this concept of messing with success. So what do you mean by that?
1: Well, messing with success. All right. So this is something called non-medical switching. And what's happening now, all right, consider folks who have serious, chronic, um, mostly autoimmune or systemic uh, conditions, rheumatoid arthritis, MS, Crohn's disease, some forms of cancer, right? So the serious diseases that have serious treatments that are, you know, by all standards, effective and, 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 you know, super advanced nowadays. And insurance companies will renegotiate the prices that they pay with the drug companies to recalibrate or rejig what's called the formulary, right, which is the mm-hmm. primary, preferred, second, third-tier medicine. And they'll do this now mid-year, mid-plan year. And what they'll then do is notify the patient and the prescriber that the formulary has changed and therefore there's a new medicine that's preferred. And the one you've been on maybe for 11 years, for example, and we have these patients. So. If the one you've been taking that stabilized you, that's curbed uh, your, your uh, symptoms, that um, put disease activity into remission, for example, that's no longer preferred, and that, that price out of pocket for your co-pay has just skyrocketed. And then right. instead you could take this other uh, comparable medicine, right, because, you know, they're, they're comparable, but they're different. And the point we try to make is don't mess with success destabilizing a patient by going off a therapy that was working and onto another therapy, which hopefully would work as well, but with no guarantee that it will, causes grave danger and serious concern uh, as a patient advocacy organization and on behalf of patients uh, nationwide that this is unfortunately becoming an all-too-common practice for.
0: And even if the comparable medicine does work, it's going to have a whole other host of side effects that you may incur um, just switching from one med to another is is really destabilizing, not only from a physiologic standpoint but also mentally. And you talk about that well about leaving mental health behind.
1: Uh, mental health, one of one of the most egregious um, areas of of um coverage or or lack thereof, I should say, by the insurers and and, and just absolute dismissal for the importance of mental health care. And, uh, you know, we always like to see and call for greater access to mental health care, both from a provider standpoint, as well as therapeutic, if, if it's
0: appropriate. Yeah. And if someone's depressed or anxious or um, not feeling well mentally, then it's really hard for them to take care of themselves physically, and the costs just add up at the end of the road. We know there's plenty of data that shows that. But like you said, it's all about this month or this quarter and just pushing it back. Seth, what's the best advice you can offer our listeners who can't afford health care and for those who can't? Wow.
1: Huh. So, you know, I think that the uh, for folks who can't afford health care, I suggest that you engage the people who you are represented by, at the state level, at the federal level, your elected officials whose offices are equipped, especially at the state level, your state representative, your state senator, uh, whose offices are equipped to provide you with resources that are offered by the state for those who qualify financially. And for those, of course, who can afford health insurance, doesn't guarantee that uh, they won't be um, devastated financially or won't have uh, challenges of their own. And same thing, I think, to communicate the box that insurers are putting you in to your elected officials, to your state representatives, to your federal, your members of Congress and and U.S. senators is really important. And the last piece of advice, of course, is to get involved with a larger group, to get involved because a chorus of voices of people is always stronger than a single voice. And that's why Global Healthy Living Foundation... And our 50-state network, 50statenetwork.org, 50-state network um, has uh, opportunities to get involved and to engage uh, within your state, wherever you may be listening here, so that GHLF can get you activated and turn you into an advocate because we all have a voice inside and we all have challenges, but bringing those voices out and training them on the right folks to hear those voices who have the capacity to help us is what this is all about. So the last thing I'll say is I know that Sometimes living with chronic diseases especially or dealing with health issues is the time when you're least able to fight, is the time when you have least capability to do something about it. But understand it's the most important time to get active and and so we uh, will help you find that inner strength and make your voice heard.
0: And One thing I really like about your foundation is how you help people that are having a similar experience find each other there's so much strength in having your experience validated by someone else by comparing others experience with your own on how to cope and how to try to maintain your health with that condition as best as possible it's really really powerful. A huge topic, but just briefly, what do you think about what's going on in Washington right now as far as health care?
1: Well, I'd like to end on a positive note. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Despite all the headlines and everything we're seeing, and look, I've been uh, in Washington every week uh, right there uh, involved in these conversations. And I believe that you know, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, was a step in the right direction, far from perfect. And this is the most important time for our country to come together. Red states, blue states, right side, left side of the spectrum, whatever your political views might be, we have to take care of each other. And we have to realize that our country can do better. Our healthcare system is not becoming of a first world country at its present state. And only us citizens, only the people of this country and our great nation can do something meaningful. And that's why it's so important to demand the change and demand the coverage and demand the access to care that we deserve. And that's why we need you to get involved in groups like ours and many others locally and the 50 state network and GHLS. And our hope is for even uh, what I'll say is Healthcare re-reform. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll do some more until we, you know, we fix it up.
0: Perfect. We really, really appreciate it. I love your foundation. It's really helpful. Thank you for your time and expertise today. We've been talking with Seth D. Ginsberg, founder of the Global Healthy Living Foundation. To learn more about Seth and his organization, visit www.ghlf.org. Big fan of the nurses. All the best. Thanks so much. For more information about this topic, visit nursetalksite.com.